This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Who knows that life has many ups and downs? You know, we have mountaintop experiences and we have valley experiences as well. And if you're like me, you probably don't enjoy the valley experiences. You know, you probably, when you're on the mountain, it's like, yeah, this is where life's at. You know, we enjoy being on that high. We enjoy those victories in life. And we enjoy it so much that some people sell their lives out to getting their next high which is the reality of how much we enjoy this mountaintop experience. And we enjoy the victory. We enjoy the win that comes from the mountain. And as soon as we come down from that mountain, we're just thinking, oh, come on, we want to be back on that mountain. You know, we want to be back in the place of rejoicing and we want to be back in the place of victory. But I was speaking to someone the other day and they actually changed my perspective on this and they said, you do realize that in life we spend more time in the valley than we do in the mountain. And it made me think a little bit and think, okay, so if we spend more time in the valley, obviously there's value in the valley. You know, if God wants us to spend more time in the valley, more time in in trouble and and figuring out things and, and problems, there must be value in that. You know, in the valley, that's where we grow. That's where we learn. That's where we're cultivated. It's, it's where we have to learn to rely on God because we've got no other choice. You know, in the valley, like, you're looking around you and there's dirt walls all around you and there's problems and there's circumstances and you can't quite figure it out. But that's where God wants us because then we are relying on him in the valley. And it's not super encouraging to think you're going to spend a lot of your life in the valley. Like, that's not, that's not a great thought. But if we kind of turn it around and think, okay, so the more we spend in the valley, the more we are cultivated, the more we are growing, the more we are stretched and we are growing and learning. You know, when we are weak, he is strong, church. And I love that reality because I feel weak a lot of the times in my life. You know, I'm not very physically strong. Sometimes I don't feel very mentally strong or emotionally strong. You know, someone can say one word and that's it, waterworks. But when I am weak, you know, when you are weak, church, he is strong. When we don't have the answer, he is the answer. And I love that. And I love that when we start to understand this and we start to walk out in this, this is where we mature as Christians. And so it can be easy to say, The valley is character building. That's nice. And it's where we grow and we learn. But when we are facing things that seem dead, when someone tells you, it's okay, the valley's about growing and learning. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just want to slap people. That's not helpful right now. In the moment, that is the last thing. I need, yeah? God's got to be noisy tonight because, like, I'm preaching to, I'm preaching to y'all, so you got to be loud, okay? If I was down there, I'd be screaming the preacher down. Thank you so much. In the valley, when people, you know, they have good intentions, and I love their heart, and I love that they're trying to encourage us, but it is sometimes, it is the last thing you want to hear. Sometimes you feel like it's useless information, and it can be hard not to want to face the valleys. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 16. And while you do that, I'm just going to open this service. God, we thank you 
that you are moving, that you are here. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that every time we open it, we get new revelation from you. God, you speak to us so clearly through your word. And so tonight we just ask, God, that you would speak again. God, you would highlight. God, you would reveal. God, you would encourage. God, you would challenge us even. Lord, challenge us of the things that don't reflect your nature. God, the things that don't please you. So God, we just pray that you would have your way in this service. God would speak and we would listen because we are your servants and we are ready to do what you're asking us to do. Amen. Okay, Exodus 16. Have you found it? Whoops. That's like preaching one-on-one. You don't make noises into the microphone. Okay. So some of you might have joined us doing the 30-day shred. If you haven't, that's okay. It is a huge challenge. So basically what we're doing is we're reading the Bible in 30 days. And surprisingly, I'm not behind yet. We're up to day, I think we're up to day 11. It's going great. And so as I've been reading the Bible in 30 days, I came across this story of God's provision for his people. And so for some context to this story that we're about to read, the Israelites had just been sent out of Egypt. So this is the children of Israel. They've just left Egypt. Pharaoh just um, encountered the 10 plagues that God sent upon him so that he would let his children go. And so Pharaoh just said, get out, you need to leave. And so this story is after the parting of the Red Sea, which we love. We love that story of where the children of Israel, they walked on dry ground straight through the middle of the sea with walls of water on either side of them. And it was a miracle. And so we're going to pick up this story in verse 2, and it says, there too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around, pots filled with meat, and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. You sound like your children sometimes, parents, like, we're starving to death. If I don't eat anything, I'm going to die. I was that child, so I I can make fun of us for doing that. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for the day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual because it was preparation for the Sabbath. And so verse 17, just a little bit lower. So the people of Israel did what they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. They wanted for nothing, because God provided perfectly what each family needed. There was no waste, but there was no lack. And that's what I love about this story. And so the first thing that I see in this story is, number one, the wilderness requires us to rely on God. The children of Israel, the natural, they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Like they said, they had just escaped Egypt. They were just on the run. They they weren't planning on where their food was coming from. They probably weren't thinking about their stomachs until they started growling. And so they were complaining to Moses once again. You know, even though they didn't eat as well as the Egyptians because they were in slavery, they were still complaining that when they were in slavery, they were eating better than what they were now. And I find that really interesting. 
you know, in their unfamiliar surroundings, they had to trust that God would provide for them and that he would look after them. They had to rely on his provision because they weren't in Egypt where the scraps would be given to them or, you know, a little bit of fruit or veggies. I don't know what they ate, but it probably wasn't that great. So this was a valley moment for them. And they realized they didn't have anything to eat and they were not rejoicing in this moment. They were not in this valley like, heck yes, we're starving right now, this is fantastic. They were complaining to their leaders. And as believers, we have more information than the children of Israel because we know where our next meal is coming from. You know, we go to work to get the money, to go to the supermarket, to buy the supplies. We slave away in the kitchen making delicious meals and we eat them because we have provided for ourselves. But when it comes to the big questions in life, like when is this going to happen for me or where do you want me to go or what house am I going to buy? You know, all these big questions. We're in the wilderness because we don't have the answers. I don't know about you, but I don't have the answers to those questions. And so when we have no answers to those questions, we have no choice but to rely on God because he's the only one that knows. And, you know, we quote Bible verses like Matthew 6.34 that says, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough worries on its own. And don't worry because the birds of the air, they're provided for, they don't store in barns, but yet God provides for them. And again, we know these and we quote them, but when it actually comes to the valley experience, how firm do we actually hold to that truth? You know, we're very good at quoting things when we're on the, on the mountaintop because it's easy to hold on to truth in, on the mountain, but when it actually comes down to those testing and challenging times, do we hold tight to those verses or do we forget do we lack faith? Because I do. I'm preaching to myself here. You know, on the, on the mountain, I'm like, God is good. God provides. God is this and that. And he still is that in the valley. But when it comes down to testing what I've just declared, sometimes I waver in that because I let fear get a hold of me. And so when we get to the place of realizing that we have no choice but to trust in God, we are right where God wants us. We are right where God wants us. Because we can't plan, we can't figure our way out of it. And that is when God's glory is revealed. Because there is no other way to explain how we got out of that situation. You know how situations just fall into place? That's not a coincidence. That's God's provision. That's God's plan. That's God's will unfolding in our lives. And so when we don't know what's happening and we have to trust in God because we have no other choice, that is when God's glory is revealed. We can't take that glory because we don't know how it happened. God receives the glory in our weaknesses and therefore we are humbled because we realize that we cannot do it in our own strength. We have to get to a place of humility to understand that, God, you are so much bigger than me and you understand so many more things than I do and I can't do this in my own strength. God, would you help me? Another thing that I found about the valley is that we can view normalcy as a valley. You know, when things are just going so, they're just chugging along. You know, life life isn't great, but it's not bad. It, it, it's just, it's going. And, you know, for the last couple of years, we've been saying things like when things return to normal or, or things will get back to normal soon. But what is normal? What does that look like now? And so when we're in times where things are just going along, we're not experiencing anything too crazy Are we in the valley or are we just soaring? Because I love the picture of the eagle. You know, it doesn't have to flap its wings to sustain 
height, it just soars. And you know, in normalcy, we are just soaring. And I love that picture. We don't have to strive. We are just soaring because we are in the presence and it's okay. That doesn't mean we're in the valley when things aren't great. It might mean that, you know, things are normal at the moment and that's good because normalcy is good. It's good to be normal and it's good to have things just be. Because sustaining that high top experience is exhausting. Constantly being 100% and all this energy and all this stuff going right, it's exhausting and it's not sustainable for humans. And so it's okay to just be normal. So just everyone just take a deep breath and just let it out. There we go, normal. We're going to turn to Numbers chapter 11. Got a few scriptures tonight because I've been reading a lot of scripture. So, all right, Numbers 11, and we're reading verse 4 and 9. Sorry, 4 to 9. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Again, Egypt. They were in slavery, but yet Egypt was calling to them. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and all the garlic that we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. The manna looks like coriander seeds, and it was pale yellow like gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grounding it with hand mills, pouring it into mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. The matter came down on the camp with the dew during the night. That sounds pretty tasty to me. You know, it, it's pastry and it's got olive oil and you can make cakes out of it. Don't love coriander, but it sounds pretty tasty to me. God's provision for them, hey, so then in Numbers 21, 4 and 5, I'm going to jump a few chapters. So starting at verse 4, it says, Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt here to die in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manner. So number two, if you're taking notes, they missed the miracle. You read before that manna was sent from heaven daily. Everyone had enough. You know, each family had enough for their family. No one had any left over. So they could grind it and make flour and turn it into cakes. And God out of grace said, my children, don't fear. You'll want for nothing. You're hungry? Okay, I'll provide for you. Because he also provided quail when they complained there was no meat, which is hilarious because quail is tiny, so there's not much meat on it. So it's kind of like, haha, got you, but here you go, I'm providing for you as well. So I, I like that. But again, they started to complain. At least in Egypt, we had meat. We miss our cucumbers and melons, our onions and our garlics, and we hate this manner. But the reality of the situation was they probably weren't getting the full melons and garlics. They were probably getting the scraps because, remember, these people were enslaved and they despised the miracle. They despised God's provision for them. 
You know, they were starving and God provided what they needed, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't what they thought they needed. It wasn't what they were looking for. It wasn't even what they thought they deserved. They thought they deserved all these different foods that they were having in Egypt. But who knows that God isn't bound by our theories or our ideas or our agendas and what we think we deserved and our plan. Because when something doesn't look right to us and something doesn't quite fit into our plan, it doesn't matter because we're not the ones providing for ourselves. But it also means that we shouldn't despise the provision that God has made in our lives. Now, I don't have to tell you to know that time and time again we make plans and they don't work out the way that we want. You know, God answers our prayers in different ways. You know, we, we pray for strength so God gives us difficulties to overcome. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't quite what I was looking for. You know, we ask for more courage and so God gives us dangers to overcome or situations to stand strong in. We ask for more wisdom and so God gives us more problems to solve. And so in our mind, we have an idea of what it should look like, but God doesn't fit into that idea. A miracle is a miracle. And when we are ungrateful for the provision, we miss out on the miracle. When God doesn't do things the way that we want, we need to be careful that our attitude doesn't discount us for another one. Because if we constantly complain and our attitude toward God is bitterness, because we don't understand, then that discounts us for another miracle. The children of God, they missed the miracle. You know, it was enough for a season. They were, they were content for a season, but then they started seeing the flaws in the miracle. They started seeing that it wasn't quite satisfying their desires anymore. They started longing for something else, but they didn't deserve it in the first place because we are fallen humans, and by the grace of God, we are saved. And there are so many miracles around us. We just need to open our eyes to see it. You know, I have found that the more that I have an attitude of just awe of who God is, the more I notice miracles around me. You know, we don't even have to look for the huge things, but just the little things, the little things in our day-to-day lives, you know, the beauty around us. When we are just in awe of God and his work, you start to see the miracles. And so the last thing we're going to look at tonight is number three, be aware of his presence. By this stage, the children of Israel, they had not yet experienced the Lord's presence. But in chapter 19 of Exodus, we see that Moses is called up to Mount Sinai. And he's called up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. But the thing is, the people, they weren't even allowed to go near the mountain. They weren't allowed to go up on the mountain. They weren't allowed to even touch the base of the mountain. And they weren't dwelling in the presence, but they were still aware of his presence. There was thunder and there was lightning and there was a dense cloud that settled on the mountain, the Bible tells us. And the Bible says that they were fearful because they saw all this happening and they recognized the presence. Even though they didn't yet experience it, they still were aware of the presence. They knew that if they went up the mountain, if they even touched the base of the mountain, which they were told not to do, they would die. And so they were fearful. They had a reverence and they started to understand that God is sovereign. God is holy. There was an awareness about the dwelling of God. And we know that in our own lives that we are to be aware of God's presence all around us. You know, we may not get a chance to worship 
and dwell in God's presence in our workplace, but when we are aware that we are there for a reason, that God has put us in that workplace for a reason, in your school for a reason, you don't have to be in the presence to acknowledge his presence. You can acknowledge that God is the one orchestrating our day and he's providing us with everything that we need. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 used to really confuse me. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It used to really confuse me because it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. And in a practical sense, I was thinking, but I'm at school. So when I'm in maths, I can't just always be praising God. Like, I I can't just be meditating on his word and praying in maths. Like, I'll get in trouble for that. And so it really confused me. But as I learned more, it's talking about an awareness of his presence. In every workplace, in every schoolyard, in every time that we go down to the supermarket, in any community event, we are carriers of the presence. You know, in church a couple of years ago, we looked at that, that we are ambassadors for the kingdom, that we represent the kingdom that we belong to. So we take the presence of God into every situation. And so in every situation, we can give thanks. In every situation, we can pray for wisdom and guidance. We don't have to continuously pray 24-7 because that's unreasonable for a human to just be always praying but to be aware of his presence, to be aware that we can pray, to be aware of his presence and His th- we can be thankful in our day-to-day lives. And as we are aware of his presence in our daily lives, we get to rejoice and we get to be thankful. We get to commune with him, which I think is such a privilege because in the Old Testament, they were not allowed to enter the temple. The holies of holies was off bounds The temple was off bounds. You had to go through a cleansing ritual to even enter the temple and only select few. But when Jesus died on the cross, that temple veil, it ripped from top to bottom, saying, you know what, children, come. My presence will dwell with you. I will dwell with you everywhere you go. You have access to my presence. We start to realize that we can be thankful that we get to commune, that his presence is with us every day. Then our outlook on that day can be very different because we're not alone. We don't have to be fearful. We don't even have to work out what we're doing for the day because God is in control. And so number one, the wilderness requires us to rely on God. Two, they miss the miracle. And three, beware of his presence. Stand with me in this place as we just wrap up and just thank God for what we've learned and so we can put this into action this week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.